Well, good morning and welcome to Anastasia Church. My name is Julia Murray. I'm the young adult minister here. I hope that y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving um, with friends and family and lots of food. And welcome back to Anastasia this Sunday. Um, thank you for joining us for worship. If this is your first time with us, I want to encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. We have a gift just for you. You can also text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word CONNECT. That will pull up our digital CONNECT card. And whether this is your first time joining us or you've been here for a while, that's a great way to let us know any prayer requests that you may have and stay connected to our church family here. You can also text that number and text the word NEWS. That will pull up our digital bulletin. So if you forget anything that I'm about to share with you, you can text that number throughout the week and pull up the bulletin at any time. We have exciting things happening as we gear up for this Christmas season, and the first of which is this Friday, Caroling at the Gazebo at 6 p.m. So hopefully you will be able to join us there. It's a great tradition that our church does every year, and I look forward to it each year as well. We also will have... Um, some growing pains as we get ready for our new church building, and we will have a power outage on the church um, premise from December 12th through the 16th, so there will be no midweek activities that week. Thank you so much for your understanding um, while we get things ready for this new exciting um, building that's coming. And last but not least, we have these, welcome, or these invite cards for our church services on Christmas Eve. You should get one on your way out. I encourage you to grab a few extras, invite neighbors, friends, family. It's a wonderful opportunity for people who may not normally come to church to invite them for a Christmas Eve service. And with that said, as we come into this time of Advent, please turn your attention to the screen. Good video, that's for sure. The first candle of, uh, <clears throat> of the Advent wreath, which is purple, uh, symbolizes the hope 
and represents the expectation we feel in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Rick and Jeannie Ginn and their grandson Ben are lighting the first candle this morning. Let's stand and sing together, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
seems like every once in a while the music director makes a mistake or two. So uh, we're going to uh, be singing our hymn for the sound guys. We're going back to Come Thou Long Expected Jesus and then, uh, and then uh, the first Noel. So if you'll get that reset and we'll start again. So today, uh, many uh, Christians around the world begin observing the season of Advent. That time in the Christian calendar when we intentionally prepare our hearts to truly celebrate Jesus' first coming as a baby in Bethlehem and to anticipate his second coming in glory and in triumph. Let's stand as we sing together, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
As we begin our Lenten season here at uh, Anastasia, every offering our church receives is a sacrifice made by members of this church. And all of you know the kind of sacrifices that you have made. And you support, your support makes a difference and we thank you for that generosity. This month marks the kickoff of our Lottie Moon offering for international missions. There's an offering envelope that looks like this and it's in, by the offering boxes out in the narthex and out in the, um, in the entrance. And if you want to take one of these and if you want to give an offering to Lottie Moon, you can do that. Our goal is $40,000. When you are convicted to give, we've made an effort to make it as simple as possible. You can text the word, give this phone number, 904-441-6900. Although we offer this digital option for you, we also have envelopes like the one I have in my hand here at the giving boxes in the sanctuary for in the atrium. And so this is, a, this is an exciting too, mission, mission throughout the world. And um, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity we have to share with what God is doing throughout the world, and he is. So let us pray for this offering this morning. Father God, I do thank you. I thank you for each one that is sitting here. I thank you, Lord, for their generosity and the sacrifice many times many people make. And Lord, I know that as sacrifices of offering and giving are made, that you provide what is, what is looking like it is lost, but it's not. You multiply it, and we pray for this Lottie Moon offering. We pray for 40,000, maybe even more. And we ask, Lord, that you will bless it. We thank you again now for this time and for the offering and the tithes and the gifts that were given this morning. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This gift of love 
It's Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It is good to see all of you here. Let me share with you a little more information about the Christmas Eve services. Um, we said we're having four Christmas Eve services at, uh, at uh, 1 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. 
4.30 and 6 o'clock. But there's also going to be a service on Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas Day at 10 o'clock. So uh, it's going to be similar to the Christmas Eve service. So you might choose to go to the Christmas Day at 10 o'clock uh, instead of one of those other services. I just wanted to add that to your, uh, to your schedule. Another thing I wanted to share, many of you brought rocks, uh, stones of foundation last week. We brought them to the altar. It's so beautiful watching the kids bring them forward. Uh, in preparation for us pouring the foundations on the new family ministry center. And we should be pouring that, I believe, what I heard is that week of, uh, I'm looking for Roy Jones. I thought I saw him earlier, but um, there you are. Over there. <laughs> He's got his fan club over there. Um, I think that's going to be December 12th through 16th too. We think they may be pouring the the found the footings for that building, and so we may be putting those on the, in the ground that week of December 11, 12, 13. Yeah, it's possible. That's what we're planning on. So, so anyway, uh, if you did not bring your rock, uh, you still have time. Uh, we're, we have a big pile of rocks at the north part of the atrium. You can bring your own rock. We've finished buying rocks. Bring your own rock. Put a prayer request on it. Put a... <laughs> Uh, a scripture verse on it, uh, a person that you'd like to come to faith in Christ or a family, and, and uh, that can be part of that celebration. So uh, anyway, thank you all for what you're doing. Now, um, I want to get into the message, and I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Now, the nation of uh, Iran right now is undergoing protests right now, and a lot of the protests are, are ranging around uh, what women can wear and what they cannot wear, the freedoms that women have in, in that uh, country. Um, now, we can point our fingers as Islamic nations and say, this is what's bad there, but realize that in our nation, we've had our own challenges too. We've had our own challenges. Here in the United States, when we adopted our Constitution, women were not allowed to vote. 99 years later, our forefathers wrote in the dec- after our forefathers wrote the Declaration of Independence that all men were created equal. The Supreme Court uni- unanimously declared that the right to vote that had just been given to former slaves would not apply to women in the Fourteenth Amendment. And so, in the following two years, two women, uh, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, they proposed their own amendment, and uh, Congress promptly presented it to the states for ratification and. 41 years later, in 1920, women in this country were uh, able to vote. Now, our own family of churches are not immune. We, we do not have a, a good reputation among some about how we deal with women in church and the roles of women in church. And I hope to get this message right because I'm hoping that I'm going to celebrate my 38th wedding anniversary <laughs> in December. So I hope I get the message right. And in case, <laughs> and in case I do not and you are concerned about the content of this message, please be aware that after, the, after this weekend, tomorrow I'm, I'm going on a trip to the Middle East where it might be safer from some of your comments. <laughs> I, regrettably, I won't be able to take your phone calls, and I'm afraid I won't have time until Christmas to delete your emails, to deal with, deal with your emails. <clears throat> so if you have email concerns... I invite you to email those to uh, bill.b at anastasiachurch.org. We'll put the email address up there on, on there so you can understand. But anyway, um, we can see. We can see. Uh, there we go. 
But we can see Islam's lasting impact on womanhood. We, can, we know the U.S. history's influence on womanhood. And in church, we, we can discuss and disagree with the role of women, but let's get to the Bible. What is Christ's lasting impact on womanhood? This month, our sermon series, we're calling it a stable influence. Christ is our rock. He is that stability. He gave us that stable influence in everything in our life. He's our anchor in the storm, and he's made a lasting impact. So this week, I'm talking about Christ's stable influence on womanhood. Next week, you'll hear from Pastor Sam Thigpen. He'll talk about Christ's lasting impact on manhood. Uh, You'll hear another message on Christ's lasting impact on the family. But I I would like to start here with, with what, how Jesus approached women and the women in life and how he impacted them spiritually. So would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Word of God says this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you have impacted all of us, Lord. You've offered salvation to all of us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we'd receive your words. Lord, I pray that what I speak is not mine, but it is yours. And Lord, I pray that not only would we be blessed, but that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So in Jesus, the incarnate word of God, God the Son, the, the light of the world came into this world in human form. He entered a spiritual darkness and chaos. And what he did, he showed us the light. He, he showed us the way. And so as that king of kings, he, he had this lasting impact on us. And, and one of those lasting impacts was on womanhood. Uh, one of the women that he influenced was Mary. Okay, he influenced Mary, his mother. We know a lot about Mary in the Bible. There are a lot of people we don't know about. We might know their name, but we know a lot about Mary. We know that she was with Jesus at his birth, obviously. We know in John 1 that she was... Uh, at that biblically first recorded miracle, the wedding feast at Cana, Mary was there. We know in Mark chapter 6, she was with the family when they thought he was deranged. She was with Jesus at the cross. Some of the gospels say that she was at the tomb of the resurrection. And she saw, she just, she walked through Jesus in his life. And, and on that day, Jesus was born It says in Luke 2, verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I don't know what she knew on the day that Jesus was born. The shepherds came in. They told her that there are angels. And they said, you know, that that the Christ has been born. Unto you is born a Savior. I don't know. And we sing that song, Mary, did you know? But by the time time she went through and walked through with Jesus' life, the things that she treasured up in her heart, God brought fulfillment in them. He made a lasting impact on Mary. She was a Christ-influenced woman. A Christ-influenced woman, this is my first point. A Christ-influenced woman equally inherits the promises of faith. Equally inherits the promises of faith, okay? If I say that there's a disciple of Jesus Christ... It's not that there are male disciples of Jesus Christ and female disciples of Jesus Christ, and you're always in these categories. A woman 
disciple of Christ is a disciple, just like a man is a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the promises of heaven and eternity, there's no first-class designation uh, for men and, and uh, coach for women. Okay, that's not how it's set up. Okay, we're all in the same cabin together. That's what, that's what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3. He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So the implication is that all the fullness of salvation, all the promises of faith, all the fullness of discernment that belong, belong to any Christian, regardless of gender, we all equally inherit the promises of faith. Now, there are several instances in the Bible where, where Jesus is, is encountering women and engaging with them. We can, learn, we can learn an awful lot from them. Luke chapter 10 is another one of those instances. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus actually affirmed, that the words of the Lord are a priority for women, that biblical teaching is a priority for women. And uh, the next point is this, that a Christ-influenced woman capably receives the full teachings of faith. We don't have to hold things back uh, to, for, for one gender than another. Okay, a Christ-influenced woman capably receives the full teachings of faith. There was a time when it was harder for women to receive a biblical education. Uh, that's not our problem today. Our problem today is that there's so much teaching available, but there are other things available. And so people will not take advantage of the teaching and will decide to do other things uh, rather than learn the teachings of the Lord. Uh, I appreciate Judy Trippy. Judy Trippy leads our women's ministry, and she has built this women's ministry not around events, but around Bible studies, around teachings of, of the Word of God. So there's amazing teaching that goes on every, every week, Tuesday morning. I know we have preset ministry Tuesday morning, Gloria leads, and Bible studies going on all the time, Wednesday nights. We have life groups. There's a, a, a Daughters of the King life group, and there are women teaching women, and they're doing uh, an amazing job. And I hear such good reports of the fellowship that's there and the teaching that goes on. All of us, and I'm not just talking to the women, all of us need to receive the good portion of the Lord. And we all receive it the same way. We all receive it together. All of us get the teaching of the Lord, so we need that word of God. And so uh, it doesn't matter what gender you are, a Christian including Christ-influenced women, fully receive, fully receive the, the teachings of faith, the full teachings of faith. Not only that, women take those teachings and they're experts at passing those teachings on. If I look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote to, to his protege, Timothy, he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. My mother has been very influential in my Christian walk. My mother was the one who read Bible stories to me when I was young. 
It was my mother who prayed with me to receive Jesus Christ that first time. It was my mother who set up an appointment with the pastor at the First Baptist Church of Morganton, North Carolina in 1973 and said, uh, and, and talked to the pastor and arranged for me uh, to make a public profession of faith and be baptized. So, And she nurtured me in my faith. She's been a, a Bible teacher for much of her life. She's been devoted to the Lord. She, she expertly shares faith. And so I want to make this point. A Christ-influenced woman expertly nurtures faith. Expertly nurtures faith. I believe uh, sisters in Christ have a sense of the heart that many of us men are envious of. Uh, many men, we try to raise men and we try to feel pretty good about teaching and we like to show people how to. But sometimes, sometimes a Mr. Fix-It attitude doesn't work well on the hearts. Okay? Yeah, I, I, I see some of you ladies nudging the guys next to you. <laughs> sometimes that Mr. Fix-It attitude doesn't work. You know, as, as a matter of fact, sometimes our attempts to try to fix often deflate the spirits of those we're trying to help. And so uh, sometimes women have a better understanding of what's going on in the heart. And so I just encourage you to nurture people in their faith. Do, you, do what you do and, and the things that you do well. Just continue doing that because you have a gift. God's enabled you. God's gifted you. God's equipped you to nurture people in the faith. Now, I want to move on to another, uh, another woman in the Bible. And this is Mary Magdalene. Christ influenced Mary Magdalene, and because of that, had a lasting impact on all of us in Christ. And this is Matthew 28. This is the day of the resurrection. It's resurrection morning. And it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you'll see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The first appearance of the risen Christ was to a woman. Okay? No matter what you think in the Bible, fact is the first appearance of a risen Christ was to a woman. No man saw Jesus Christ risen until later that day. The only reason they knew he was risen is because they heard it from a woman. Okay? They heard that first. Uh, either the road to Emmaus or the upper room, uh, the first person to proclaim the risen Christ was a woman. A Christ-influenced woman skillfully communicates faith. I can only imagine if, if some of us guys had seen it, because sometimes we're not big on the details. We just want to get the, the basic facts, you know. Man, one of, maybe Peter or John saw Jesus at the tomb, and he'd run back and say, well, I went by the tomb. There was an earthquake. The stone was rolled away. Angel did it. What was he wearing? I don't know, white? You know, <laughs> that's just how we are. We try to get, use the least possible words we can uh, what were you thinking? Well, I don't know. I was too busy to think. 
But, you know, women, women do have a gift of, of being a little better with the verbal word than men do often. And naturally, you communicate well with those. And it's something that many men, including myself, have to work very hard to what comes naturally. And I just want to say, you have faith in Jesus Christ, women. Communicate that faith. God has called you to communicate that faith. You need to use all your gifts of spirit. You need to communicate that faith. Uh, you need to communicate what Christ has done for you, how he's changed you, how he can do for others when they accept salvation. I'm thinking of the example of Priscilla in the New Testament in Acts chapter 18. And there was this great preacher that came into town. His name was Apollos. And Priscilla and her husband Aquila um, were with them. And the Bible says that God used Priscilla and her husband Aquila to explain to him accurately the way of God, you know. Now, um, we need to use our gifts. All of us need to use our gifts. And that's my encouragement to us, all of us, including women. Don't, don't be intimidated from using your gifts. God has given you a message of salvation in Christ. You need to use that message. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, this is a more controversial passage of men and women in the Bible, okay? Usually what I do when I come to Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 22 and 23, I usually head out of town and uh, pass this to an associate pastor. But here we go. Paul writes, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. There's a word there, that word submit. And uh, that word's a military term in Greek. It means to arrange things, arrange the troops, okay, in, in a good way, a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use in Greek, that means to have this voluntary attitude of, of giving in, cooperating. It's more than obedience. It's, it's, actually, it's actually cooperating, okay? Not resisting, but cooperating. And it's saying here, first of all, verse 21, cooperate with each other. Cooperate with each other out of reverence for Christ. And, and also an additional, wives, cooperate with your husbands. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This does not mean you're required to be oppressed. This does not mean you're required to be imprisoned uh, by your husband or put down by your husband. But for the sake of the family's spiritual health, cooperate with your husband in providing spiritual direction. A Christ-influenced woman sensitively encourages men in their tasks of faith. You know, God, God has called men, so you need to be a leader in the household. Can, can I give you a secret, women? Can I share with you a secret about what men think? At least most husbands think and will never tell you. Most men feel inadequate to provide spiritual leadership in their home. And if you both are believers... They, will, they see your faith, women, and the example, and they wonder, how could they possibly add to that? Another secret I want to tell you is sometimes the verbal instructions of encouragement that you give to your husband so he can be a better leader might not be interpreted by him that way. <laughs> Just saying. It might not be seen as encouragement. It might be seen as criticism or lack of respect. So 
And to be not respected really deflates a man's ego. And it doesn't help him to be a spiritual leader. It actually hurts him in being what God's called him to do. So I think a Christ-influenced woman is sensitive and encourages a man to do what he needs to do. And you're respecting each other, and you're nudging him in the right direction. And you know when, when your husband has a teachable moment. My wife's an expert at telling me things when I need to hear them at a time when she thinks I can receive them. And that's very important for us, to encourage each other in the right steps that we take. Um, there are different roles that the Bible has for us. Um, and it is hard to try to figure out those roles. You know why? Because it's hard to try to put together Acts chapter 2, where it says, in the last days, in the last days, it says your, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It says your male servants and your female servants will prophesy. And you're trying to, uh, trying to make that work with 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, where Paul says, I don't allow a woman to teach or put her in authority over a man. And how do you put those together? And then how do you put that together where Paul said uh, there's no male or female, Jew or Greek, along with 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so it's hard for us in our, in our minds to figure out exactly how all that fits together. And that's why churches disagree on that. That's why churches have struggle with it in churches like ourselves. But, you know, I think, I think what we can say is that we have to encourage each other in faith. And men encourage women, and women encourage men. Let me share something else with you here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, uh, do not let your adorning be external. It says, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry are the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. We live in an incredible age. Uh, we inhabit a stunningly visual world. There are visual pictures that I don't think other generations could even imagine because the things that they create, and they put them on TVs and computers and even telephones. And because of that, we're also bombarded by images uh, and images on billboards, images on phones as we move around in public. And those images can be manipulated and photoshopped and all that kind of stuff. And, and the images tell us that if you want to be the perfect person, you want to be the perfect female, this is the length of hair it needs to be this year. This is the color that's in. This is what your nails need to look like and your body shape and the jewelry. And you'll want to address to accentuate your best features. I think you should dress to accentuate your best feature. You know what I think your best feature is, men and women? It's Jesus. Your best feature is Jesus. It's not your eyes, not your lips, not your ears or nose or body shape or anything like that. Your best feature is Jesus. So we, so we should dress men and women to accentuate our best feature, Jesus Christ. So that's my next point. A Christ-influenced woman proudly shows off her best feature, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our, our Redeemer, and he gives to women just like he gives to men spiritual gifts through the working of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts are given so we can build up the body of Christ, not to accentuate attention onto our own body, but the body of Jesus. That's what we're for. And, uh, and so we want to use them that way. And there are all kinds of spiritual gifts. Now, um, I'll say one of the things that people struggle with is, is what's the role in public worship? 
And uh, let me share with you, I, I try to follow all the Bible. I try to follow every word of the Bible, okay? And there are areas where I struggle with. I know the Bible says I don't put a woman in authority over a man. And so I, I feel like as, as pastor of this church, God has given me authority for what goes on in, in public worship. And if in my authority, I invite someone to come up on the stage and that person happens to be female and has two X chromosomes rather than X and a Y chromosome, if I invite that person to come, and in their, in their sharing, because we wouldn't say preach here at this church, but as they're sharing, um, they accidentally open up a scripture verse and proclaim the risen Lord. Someone is inspired. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. It's not like we're trying to upset the apple cart and change the whole order of things. But I think we need to, we have a world that's lost. And it's going to take all of us to reach them. And, and we don't want to take more than half of our congregation and turn them into second-class citizens, right? But we also want to do everything in order. We want to do everything according to the Word of God. So that's what I try to do. And so anyway, we use all our gifts. I, I, want, I want every person in this room to be able to use their spiritual gifts, male or female, in, according to the Bible and according to the order of the Bible. And that's what, I'm, that's what I want to do. And, and Christ values us, and he values you. And it happens, that value happens when we trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Now, you may have problems with this message, so I just say, email your concerns to Bill Blaylock. He'll get them to me after Christmas. I'm trying to stay with the Bible very closely as I can, but let me tell you, God has a home prepared for you, a home prepared for all of us, and all of these issues are going to be gone. Okay, there's not going to be disagreement about men and women in the in heaven, right? Not going to be any disagreement there. Uh, there are advantages to being male, but there are advantages to being female. Let me tell you something. Mary, Mary experienced something amazing, not just in bearing Jesus Christ in a physical birth, but she did something that Joseph never experienced. She saw him. Li she lived long enough to see Jesus Christ. Not only crucified, but resurrected. Acts 1 tells us that she was with the disciples in the upper room praying. She received the Holy Spirit with everyone else in the house. The Bible says that Mary, because, she followed, because Mary followed Jesus Christ as her Lord, she has a home in heaven. And she has a home in heaven not because she's Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's because she's Mary who followed Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Amen. And I want you to know whether you are a woman a man, old or young, God wants you to be in heaven too. And how does that happen? It's not by being perfect in the way you understand the role of men and women in church. It comes by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And Christ is calling you today to trust him and follow him. And that's the way to salvation. And he'll give you a lasting impact in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, as we, as we go through this earth, we try to follow your word so closely, and, and sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong. But Lord, we're just going to be looking to you. Give us that right moment of discernment. Every moment, every day, every week, every year. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that needs to follow you as Lord and Savior, that needs to take a step closer to you in faith, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bless them with discernment, bless them with conviction, with courage, all that they need, Lord, to take that step of faith and to trust in you, Lord. 
Lord, we believe that you are alive. You came to earth in human form. Lord, you are alive on earth. And Lord, you, you died for us physically. But also you're alive now, Lord, because you are resurrected. You, you paid the penalty for sin. And Lord, you conquered death. And I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that if someone needs a second chance and they've not yet received it in you, Lord, I pray right now that they're saying, yes, Lord, I believe you're alive. I trust in your sacrifice and I follow you. Lord, move among us, I pray. In your precious name of Jesus, amen. We're coming to a time of response. And if God's calling you to come forward, whether it's to be a member of this church or present yourself for baptism, or you want to know a little more about what it means to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can come. As we stand and as we sing, you come. to depart, go with the blessing of God. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Your challenge, go out now and live lives that reflect the miraculous power and wisdom of Jesus. And all God's people who pledge to do so said, Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.